Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Eagle Hour. We're broadcasting from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg today. We're glad you're with us. Going to New Orleans here in just a moment. Visit with our good friend Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. First, we'll remind you about Dickie's Barbecue Pit. They're going to be doing Christmas shopping this weekend. Great time to stop by. And enjoy a great meal at Dickie's. They're open seven days a week right here in Hattiesburg. And uh, they can pretty much cater any event that you have in the upcoming holidays, whether it be for your home or your church or whatever. Be sure you keep Dickie's Barbecue in mind. All right. Uh, Patrick McGee, Biloxi Sun Herald, NOLA.com, formerly with the Biloxi Sun Herald, now with the NOLA.com, and residing in the city of New Orleans with uh, Blue. How are things, Patrick? Things are good. Uh, it's a little bit kind of uh, gray outside today, but I'm still loving the 70 degree weather here in December. And I see Blues uh, doing well on the internet. Yeah, he's looking sharp as ever. Yeah, and actually, Kelly suggested setting up an Instagram account. I actually have one that started like yesterday, but I haven't really got it going yet. I mean, y'all are the first For blue, huh? to find out. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, McGee on Instagram. Look him up. <laughs> I, I, I will be one of the first followers, Patrick. <laughs> Blue is a great example of the wonderful thing about adopting animals from shelters. Blue is a, it's just a perfect example of that, Patrick. And I, I know you and Blue have a great relationship. Yeah, he's a he's a good dog, and, and as a rescue, he's I can't really take a whole lot of credit, but he's a well behaved good little dog. No question. Most of the time, he tries to get on the Eagle Hour. Is he going to bark today for us? No, I think most of that barking was around the time I was moving, and he was tired of just strangers coming in and out of my apartment. So he's good right now. He didn't now. like that. All right, Patrick. Well, let's talk for a little bit about NFL football, who's good and who's not. I read this morning where, uh, for example, Washington is playing Philadelphia, and I think Washington had 20 players on COVID protocol. I know that Nick Mullins is starting in Cleveland because their uh, first and second string quarterbacks have COVID. Uh, Sean Payton now has COVID. I thought we were over this, Patrick. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's somewhere. I think I heard somewhere today, like ninety-four percent of the NFL is, is vaccinated. But I think probably what's playing into this is the environmental. Where you put a bunch of guys in a locker room, even though you're vaccinated, it just increases the odds of uh, if you're around that many people on a consistent basis, you're going to you know, increase the odds again. But yeah, it's still dealing with it. I mean, it's it's going to be lingering. Now we have a new variant that's really uh contagious and this yeah this isn't going away anytime soon 
And, and you guys, this is, I mean, literally five seconds ago, this is breaking out of the National Football League. The NFL and the NFLPA are discussing canceling multiple games this weekend, that they're getting pressure from you, you probably know who to well, cancel I, because of because of COVID. Well, let me say this about COVID. I, I'll use the Washington Philadelphia game. That game should be postponed. That is an unfair advantage for one team to have their full roster and another team to be down to a to a signed up quarterback this week and twenty players short uh, playing. I mean, you got to. I don't know, Patrick. I think postponing games and giving everybody a fair chance is the thing to do. Yeah, yeah, post-canceling is not what I've seen, is postponing. Yeah, I'm sorry, that, yes, postponing, correct. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing they did last year on, that, on a handful of occasions. I think it was one or two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pushed back to a Monday. So, yeah, it's, uh, I would think under the circumstances, it looks like the Browns game is going to probably just, the, it, you know, the way things are trending I'm seeing, there's a good chance they're going to be playing on Monday, and it makes sense. And, and you hope Nick gets a shot to start. I would think he probably still start on Monday. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, this is going to be a messy weekend for, for the NFL. And, e- and even if they do, Bob, even if they do move, you, you could have as much as a week because there's a two-week gap in the schedule between the NFC-AFC championship games and the Super Bowl. So there's a week in there that if yeah. they needed it, they could probably and, and, Patrick, am I not right about this? This is a little different in the respect of everything that I read and hear. Uh, this variant of the virus is much milder than what we have seen over the – you know, the past year and a half. So, in a sense, this is sort of like uh, players having a mild case of the flu. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's that's the the good news out of this. But you you know, you're just kind of waiting to see how it plays out in the weeks and months to come. But the good news is that Omicron is apparently more closer to the cold than it is you know whatever you know whatever we've seen before. Right. So you just hope that's that's what plays out, and that maybe finally that COVID starts mutating the wrong way. You know, yeah, that may be uh, that, or the that, right that, way right. for us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, so Luke, so uh, you said before we went on the air, I think Patrick agrees. The Saints are still alive. The Saints are still breathing. They are. Six and seven. They beat the uh, the Jets last week. And Patrick, just the case last week was it was Alvin Kamara. Had close to 150 total yards. Good to see him back. Uh, Taysom Hill only threw 21 passes, completed 15 of them. They didn't really put the weight of the game plan upon him. And is that kind of what you expect to see going forward? Tough this week against the Bucks, though. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of going back to you hope Ingram's ready to go on, on Sunday. Uh, he's able to get out of protocol. I'm guessing he was probably symptomatic a little bit longer than, say, Cam was. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I, I kind of like the idea before the season started of the Saints. If they didn't think Jameis was going to be quite right, and I thought he played pretty well, but they could have easily just gone to a, a, a ground game focused offense with Taysom, uh, Kamara, and Ingram. Didn't have Ingram at the time, Tony Jones or uh, uh, Latavius Murray. That they were able to just focus on running the ball and, and putting you know uh, uh, Taysom in a position to succeed as a passer. Nothing that's what's got to happen from here on out. And you hope that Taysom kind of shows progress. His hand maybe gets slightly healthier as they go along, and and maybe can build up some momentum. Obviously, this Buccaneers game is just absolutely crucial. If they lose it, the path to the playoffs is really, really, really difficult. But if they win it, they're suddenly in a position where they can close out strong and maybe squeak in. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they just, they just got to run the football like they did last week. But it won't be uh, – they're not playing the Jets this week. It's going to be a little tougher. 
Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you attack the Bucks? I mean, you, you get Quan Alexander back. Davenport had one tackle, mm-hmm. you know, defensively, but you you gotta you got you can't afford to do anything wrong in this one just because you're playing behind you know behind the first step uh, on offense. Yeah, and the and the Bucks have been vulnerable off and on all season passing game. Uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, unfortunately that's where the Saints are kind of hurting right now. Uh, with Taysom not, you know, great as a, uh, with his hand banged up and he's already not, you know, he doesn't have the arm that Jameis Winston has. So it makes it tougher. Uh, this is, you know, the, the Buccaneers are so tough up front on the edge and in the middle. Uh, it's going to be a challenge for the Saints. They just, they've got to have the ball bounce their way a couple of times, uh, to come out with a victory. And of course, if you even breathe on Tom Brady, there will be a roughing the passer call. So or... much whining. It's just. It's just. So I was actually proud of the referee last uh. last game before the bad call. You know, against the Bucks because Brady got hit halfway low and they didn't throw the flag. So it, it does happen occasionally, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, see. Patrick. Here's how you have to beat the Bucks. You have to you have to run the football. You have to keep your offense on the field. And uh, whether my associates like it or not, you have to keep. The goat off the field. Yeah, the Saints are defensively; they're good enough to beat anybody, really, in the right. NFL. Uh, if the offense holds up and it's into the bargain and puts up, you know, twenty-eight, thirty-one points on the board, they they can beat a lot of these teams. And you know, and, and we'll see. I mean, the, the Saints, if you get Kamara and Ingram going and Taysom is a little bit more competent as a passer, it can happen. Uh, but you know, just just the way they look for much of the game against the Jets, it's hard to see them really kind of put points on the board consistently. Where are they in Tampa? Is the game in Tampa? Oh, yep. gosh. That brain part. Yeah, it is. It's it, it is 720 yeah. on NBC Sunday night. Oh, Sunday yeah. night. Oh, God, that's great. Though. And, you guys, I'll tell you this, too. One good thing about the NFL this year, like very few years in the past, this thing appears to be wide open. It's real competitive. Yeah. There's no question about it. As yeah. to, there is no you know runaway Super Bowl, you know, Guaranteed. Now the Chiefs have picked up steam by pulling that one out of the fire last night. They've won seven in a row. Yeah, but that uh, was the that was the fault of the San Diego coach. Why in the world do you turn down three field goals that were very makeable field goals? He deserved to lose that. 100%. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe he didn't go for the field goal right there before the half. I mean, what are you yeah. doing? There, there's yeah. there's one thing you get credit for being a gambler. Well, that, when, that was over the top. Yeah, when you night. take it, when you take it to the point of stupidity, I would think your players are questioning you when you make calls like because they played well enough to beat Kansas City last night. I, th- I think the San Diego kicker was today on on a bridge somewhere saying, "Well, yeah, you don't need me." Well, I mean, that's just the coaches. That that was terrible coaching, and um, and didn't, win or lose, the Chargers hands down have the coolest football uniforms of all time. <laughs> right, Patrick. Nothing cooler yeah, than the, a Charger yeah, uniform. The Chargers, the Chargers have always had, uh, to me, the better. Whenever they went from the, the navy blue to the to the baby blue, that just made a big difference. And their uniforms just pop. Yeah, yeah no but back question. in the '60s, when John Hadle was quarterback, and a member, Bob. Yeah, that's a great franchise. Yeah, no, they, no. no great franchise. No, there's there's five more teams with better uniforms in the oh, Chargers. No, no, oh, no. <laughs> All right, we're gonna keep Patrick around. If you got a few minutes, Patrick. Sure. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com on the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back.
Southern Miss to the top. I was at Campus Bookmark yesterday afternoon visiting uh, with Miss Kathleen, uh, such a fantastic lady. And man, oh man, you talk about Christmas gift ideas. They got them uh, stacked wall to wall right now at Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street. You can also shop them online at campusbookmart.net. Uh, say hello to Miss Kathleen. She'll take good care of you. They do have a great, great selection of uh, of Southern Miss swag right now. We're talking to Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. Before we move on to Southern Miss, we were talking during the off-air about the ugliest uniforms in the NFL. Luke told us who were the five better than San Diego. Patrick and I did not agree with that at all. <laughs> but did we all kind of – yeah, we come yeah. to the conclusion maybe that the Denver Broncos have the ugliest uniforms in the league. I didn't. I mean, I agree they're they're pretty bad. I hate the Falcons, and I guess I'm just biased. Yeah, the Falcons are the Falcons. Pretty, Falcons are pretty nasty. And then there's that comic book look of the Bengals, but you know we didn't even put that in there. Are you talking either. uniforms or playing? Both, actually, oh, okay. both. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Real quick, Luke, who are your five better looking uniforms than the San Diego well, Chargers? There was there was obviously there was a disagreement on like color color scheme. I'm more of a bold, solid guy, so I like the Browns. And y'all can throw me under the bus all you want to. I like the Browns. I like the Bills. I like uh, the Packers. I like the 49ers and then the favorite. Biased here, I'm a homer. I get it. White on white for the Saints with gold stripes. Well, let's ask, let's ask the man that makes a living covering sports. How, 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 on a scale of 1 to That's 10. That's right. I don't make a living because I don't get paid for this job, Bob. <laughs> Go ahead, Patrick. On a scale of 1 to 10, Patrick, how wrong is he? Well, I'd give him – I mean, I'd say half of those have pretty decent uniforms. The other half, not so much. Right. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, the Browns, he he kind of uh, points to tradition, and that's nice. But, yeah. I mean, they've just been ugly, consistently ugly, ugly for a throughout long time. Throughout their history, yeah, throughout yeah, their history. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It's, you, you bring no Hanford Dixon on the show and tell him that. And and I'll I'll I'll, 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 I'll agree with you. Hamford Dixon that I will. I, will no, I was I was talking to Bob slightly. because Bob, oh. Patrick, you would do it. Bob would just act, he would say, "Hey, you know what, Hanford? He's such such iconic." Well, yeah, uniforms. I mean, if he was in oh, the studio, I probably wouldn't say anything to upset him. You're right about that. Yeah, pull out a rooting rag and dust uh, the helmet off. The only the <laughs> yeah. only problem I have with any of the uniforms, and this is this is way on the fringe. I don't like when they mess around with all these different type of numerals. Like the Buccaneers have these computer digital. Numbers. The Falcons have. I think really, they got rid of those. Did they? Well, they they yeah. needed to. I, I just like those regular plain block numbers. The same type of numbers that were on the jerseys back in 1960. You know, right. easy to read and right. I all got that it. sort of thing. All right. Well, let, let's uh, let's regress from that. Uh, yes. We're never going to agree on this. I can see. Uh, Patrick, <laughs> a signing day uh, up. Uh, indications are Southern Miss had a good signing class. Your thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I've just been able to kind of pr- uh, browse the group and look at them, and I went and looked at film of the quarterback Wilkie, and I, I was I was pretty impressed. I mean, he's it's been a while since Southern Miss has signed one of those quarterbacks. You know, he looks the part. He's six three, one ninety. He's probably going to be over two hundred pretty quickly, and he's a, he's a good athlete. More importantly, he just has a strong arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and looks accurate on film. Of course, everybody looks good on the film, uh, but just the ceiling there looks pretty darn good. Uh, he can be that pro style guy with a little bit of athleticism to him, but overall, it's a solid class. Uh, you know, I'm I'm always hesitant to 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 really kind of label class as a big win, but uh, they got added experience. How many transfers did they get? Was it nine or ten? Mm-hmm. And uh, overall, you know, I just just from what I saw, I thought it was a, a pretty good group. 
Uh, it's never easy to recruit in a situation where you you know you only win three ball games. But then again, they've had time to recruit here and focus on getting the guys that they had on board already, and I think they did a good job. Did a good job with that. And thank God, Miles Brennan has decided to stay at LSU, and all those rumors are over. Patrick, I had grown a little weary of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was. I think I told you I was skeptical that that was going to uh, work out. Uh, and just knowing how Miles handled his recruitment and a lot of other things, I just didn't see him ended up at, at Southern Miss. Uh, and, you know, I, I, it, Will Hall has got to go out and get another quarterback. Uh, this year had to teach them a lot in terms of what you got to have with depth. I know he talked about Ty Keyes and Wilkie uh, competing for the starting job, and they wanted to possibly add a, an older guy. And, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt that he's going to go out and add a transfer of, of some sort to that competition. But you know, Bob, now, now that that's all put to bed, let me just tell you, as a Southern Miss fan, we didn't need Miles Brennan. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, it was kind of half – I think they, I think it was kind of up in the air. I mean, Luke, were you in – all things considered, were, were you in favor of bringing talent. a guy in for a year? I'm, I will always take talent. I mean, if, if it can make the, the, the team better, I'm all for it. Now, if, if bringing somebody in is going to divide the team, I'm not for it. Mm-hmm. But if a, a dude comes in and by his talent alone makes us better, I'm, I'm all for it. And let's let's be honest, hopefully Ty Keys, as he progressed in the three or four games he played, he did show improvement. You give him an entire offseason, hopefully he can step up to the next level. The, the thing about bringing in a graduate guy with experience is it never hurts to – allow a guy to develop longer. The counter-argument to that is the only way these guys are going to progress is if you give them game time. So that's why a lot of people just say, man, just we'll take our lumps early on with Ty Keys, but middle of the season next year, late season, he'll be dealing, and then you know he'll have the rest of his career to show right. off. So it, it's, it's both sides. Patrick, what is a realistic expectation for Southern Miss football next year? Realistic. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the realistic <laughs> – I think what everybody has to expect is that they're able to put an offense on the field that reflects Will Hall's vision uh, for the future. And, and they're going to, you know, at this point, it looks like they're going to have a young guy at quarterback. You know, possibly they can add that veteran guy for a season. I think Luke's right that I think adding one guy for one season would be a boost, uh, if in anything, just to add some experience in the quarterback room and somebody that can kind of see things big picture and they can all kind of learn together. Uh, but, yeah, I you know, uh, I, I don't know. It's you know you lose a lot of guys in your defensive front. You're going to have to replace a bunch there, and uh, you're going to have to work on getting that offensive line right. So uh, there's just a lot of work to be done between now and the season opener in 2022, and and we'll see things how things play out. Uh, the quarterback position never really uh, came into fruition this year just because of the of the injuries and and tight you know and then excuse me Trey Lowe got off to a slow start there early on, so there just wasn't much momentum. They're early on offense, so it was just really hard to build on. And just so many pat breaks. They just need to start having some luck uh, down the yeah. stretch uh, going into year number two under Will Hall. Patrick, uh, two, two questions in one, and and I'm going to bring it back to Southern Miss. But put in perspective what Deion Sanders did with Travis Hunter. I mean, just as somebody you know covered in the state of Mississippi, now in the state of Louisiana, mm. it's pretty pretty nuts what happened with Travis Hunter. And now there's you know some some push. Kind of groundswell. Southern Miss needs to schedule Jackson State. Let's do it. Is it a good good idea? Not a good idea. Well, I've always thought it's been a good idea when Southern Miss and Jackson State play because you know it's. I think it's good for the state and good for the, the those communities. Uh, I wouldn't 
push it. I don't think Southern Miss needs to, to make any more of an effort. I don't doubt, you know, they're going to be playing Jackson State pretty soon no matter what. Uh, they always like to have them, what, is, maybe every fourth or fifth year, something like that, maybe even quicker. Uh, but it, it's, it's really tough to schedule a game like that quickly. But I was looking at Jackson State's non-conference schedule kind of going forward, and it doesn't really it doesn't exist. I think the only thing I saw was they're playing Tennessee State next year. Uh, so it's, it's hard to do, uh, but Deion Sanders ain't going to be there that much longer. Uh, so, I mean, it, it doesn't make much sense, I think, for Southern Miss to rush things and so you know, suddenly have Jack, Jackson State pop up in the schedule, there's a good chance right. Deion Sanders ain't going to be there. You look for him to uh, go to a bigger school, or you look for him to go back to his celebrity life and say, look what I did when I coached? No, I think he's pretty driven. I, you know, I think just what he's doing at Jackson State probably gives him a taste of it, and he wants even more of it, you know. Uh, <laughs> if Norvell doesn't work out in uh, uh, after next season at, Jack, at Florida State, you better believe there's going to be a lot of people – uh, around the Florida State program who want to bring in Deion Sanders to see what he can do because Florida State does need a jolt. But, they, they've been a program on a decline. But here's why I disagree with all of you guys on that notion, if you're thinking that. If Deion Sanders, because he doesn't need the money, right? I mean, he doesn't necessarily need these long-term multi-million dollar contracts. But it could be that could this could be completely contrary to the reason that he took the Jackson State job to begin with. It was to bring... Light to the fact that historically black colleges and universities have been getting the short end of the stick, all right, have not, you know, gotten their share of the limelight and so on and so forth. And then for him, if, if it were to happen, for him to leave, to, to put out that torch that he's been carrying, he would be lambasted, I think. And again, it's America, do what you want to do. But I think part of his mission, if you will, was to bring attention to historically black colleges and well, universities. He's done that. He has. He's accomplished that. And and now with what he did yesterday on signing day, pulling the number one recruit away. Now you've got other African American athletes that are looking at HBCUs, you know, as a place to play. So I just think if he were to go to a bigger school, then people would say, "Oh yeah, well, what happened to your views about uh-huh. you know HBCUs?" I'm one thing about it, Patrick, nobody's laughing at Deion Sanders anymore about being the head coach, are they? No, I guess I'll call him Coach Prime from now on. Coach uh, Prime. <laughs> he's he's done a lot and you know, I, I you know, I see what Kelly says and I think that's a noble part of why he came to Jackson State. I think he's done a good job of that. You saw Eddie George at Tennessee State and you saw Hugh Jackson getting the, the Grambling job here recently, the former head coach of the Browns and the Raiders. So Things are changing, I hope, for the good better because really the, the HBCU football programs have been on the decline, and you saw Alcorn State, you know, really kind of step up and demand better whenever they were being denied proper health care, uh, right. you know, health care for their players. So right. I think it's good to see these uh, programs kind of stepping up. All right, Patrick, enjoyed the conversation with you. Talk to you next week, brother. All right, thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody. NOLA.com, Friday edition of the Eagle Hour. Great turnout yesterday for our toy drive. We really appreciate that, guys. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 4th Street brings you the third segment of the Eagle Hour. 
every single day. Bahamas Bowl going on right now. If you don't have anywhere to watch a bowl game, go see them at 4th Street uh, this afternoon. Of course, Catfish Friday was here um, today. You missed it, but you can get it every single Friday. Big uh, holiday plans coming up for 4th Street. We'll let you know day by day, and you can always go check them out on Facebook, 4th Street. Proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. The aforementioned Bahamas Bowl going on. And the bowl season begun, guys, a little early on Friday, December 17th. Right now, Conference USA, Middle Tennessee, trailing Toledo 17-14. to 5.50 go, four to go in the third quarter. Middle Tennessee, the fighting stock stills looking uh, to get their seventh game of the season. Uh, they just took the ball back over. So, yeah, football, college football, bowl season has uh, begun, and uh, I'm going to look a little later on and, and tell you. Oh, here we go. All right, so you got another bowl game tonight, Nor- Northern Illinois uh, against Coastal Carolina, and that is in the – these are great, these names, by the way, the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl. That is uh, tonight. Uh, tomorrow you got a bunch. You got six games tomorrow, Western Kentucky against Appalachian State in the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Then you got UTEP and at Fresno State – in the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl, no, these I are th- almost these are worse than uh, the Atlanta Falcons P-U- jerseys. P-U-G-E. I was going to say, well, I think that game you could pretty much sum up by the first two letters. P-U-B-G <laughs> Mobile New P-U. Mexico Bowl. Ugh. At two thirty on ABC, UAB against thirteenth ranked BYU. Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl is uh, tomorrow. The Lending Tree Bowl at 445 Eastern Michigan at Liberty. Utah State, Blake Anderson, former Southern Miss OC. They won the Mountain West this year at Utah State. They're taking on Oregon State. This is for real, guys. The Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl presented by Stifle. Uh, that is a real bowl game. And then uh, the nightcap, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, 23rd ranked Louisiana Lafayette without Billy Napier will take on the Marshall Thundering. Now, now, did you say the Independence Bowl, Luke? Because that used to be the day after Christmas. That's the bowl game you and I went and broadcasted for. It from, is. Right? UAB against 13th ranked BYU tomorrow at 2.30. One of the coldest periods of time I have ever experienced in my life. It was brutal, wasn't it, Luke? It was brutal. It was rough. I, I don't think it's going to be that bad in Shreveport tomorrow. Now, Luke went down that schedule. Did you notice? All these early ball games, the quote unquote insignificant ball games. How many poor conference I'm so, USA I'm teams? I'm so glad we're getting out of there. I'm so glad we're getting. Out hey, of there. Utah State, Oregon State. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's the good. Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Jimmy, that Kimmel, is so interesting. It's in uh, it's in the Charger Stadium. Uh, pretty hmm. pretty interesting. That's what there. the Super Bowl is this year. Is it? It's so fun. The two billion dollar, three billion dollar stadium. Yeah, whatever it is. Anyway, so uh, college football going on um, right now uh, for sure. Well, college basketball, you guys, tomorrow the Golden Eagles are back at it. They travel to Monroe to take on the Warhawks. Back in the day, remember, Bob, they were the Northeastern. Indians. Yeah, the Northeastern Louisiana Indians. Lord knows that was offensive. <laughs> now the Louisiana Monroe <laughs> Warhawks. Uh, Jay Ladner and the guys try to, try to win one on the road, and then they will go to East Carolina next week. These are the last two games before they will open the Conference USA slate on Thursday, December 30th. That's kind of unusual. Again, normally they wait you know, a little closer to when the students are back in school, and at least you turn the calendar. But Conference USA play starts on Thursday night, December 30th, at the Greenhouse uh, just, uh, against Western Kentucky. Just a little about Monroe. They're 6-4, and four, but it, it's really a tale of, of uh, opponents. They, they got beat. 
Open up the season against LSU, and I think you guys remember that score, 101-39 to in Baton Rouge. Uh, they dropped one to Auburn, and uh, and then they won back-to-back games. I don't know where champion Christian is, but they won that game. Then they beat Northwestern State, lost to Louisiana Tech and SMU, rebounded, and are currently on a four-game winning streak against, uh, is it Sin? Centenary? Centenary, yeah. yeah. I froze, my brain froze. Centenary, Northwestern State, uh, they they have played them twice already, Louisiana Christian, and they just beat Stephen F. Austin. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those games that uh, one of these teams, uh, they, they got six wins, but they haven't been against good opponents at all, so Southern Miss looking for an opportunity tomorrow. What's the key, guys? You, you got to not turn the ball over, right, Kelly? That's what we looked at the other day. Yeah, not turn it over and, and somehow avoid these stretches of six or seven minutes where you score one point. Uh, two games ago, they were outscored. at the. I, I think it was two games ago. They were, the Eagles were outscored 17-1 to coming down the stretch in the second half, like the last nine minutes of the games. No. And then the other night against Jacksonville, uh, there, was a, there was a spurt toward the end of the first half where they went like eight minutes and only scored one free Not throw. Not good. So they, they just have to, like I said, these long stretches of just not being able to figure it out. It, they, then they dig too deep of a hole. Then they force themselves into a situation where they have to foul in the second half. Now you got guys just going to the free throw line, you know, because you, ha- you and have And after to foul. this, you've got East Carolina and then Western Kentucky. Is that right? Yep, yeah, that's it. Western Kentucky's pretty good. <laughs> Ask Ole Miss. They are. Yeah. So, uh, and North, couple, Te- North Texas and UAB, of course, are supposed to be uh, pretty good in Conference USA, too. A couple other interesting notes for this one. 39th time that the Golden Eagles and the Warhawks have faced uh, each other. Southern Miss leads the all-time series 23-15. to 15. Uh, Keith Richard, the same as Jay Ladner. He graduated from Moreau. Uh, Ladner from Southern Miss. Jay grad- Coach Ladner graduated in 1988. Coach Richard graduated in 1982. He's in his 12th season there. So, uh, yeah, it's this is another – okay, so this goes back to kind of what we're talking about, the struggles the Eagles have. This is interesting. Southern Miss's roster averages 1.22 years of collegiate experience per player. It's the second youngest team in Conference USA. It's one of the youngest teams in the country. Salute to Jack Duggan for for that information. Less than a year and a third of experience per man on the roster. On average. Yeah, sure. And did you say Keith Richards was coaching? I thought he played for the Rolling Stones. He coached basketball on the side? Maybe that maybe it's weekend at Bernie's on the concert. Well, I, bet they, I bet they have some road trips. <laughs> if he played football for Southern Miss, it would be Richard. I just went with Richard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it might be Richard. Oh, uh, you guys, we talked earlier. Uh, here we go. The dominoes in the NFL starting to, to fall now. The Raiders-Browns game will not be played Saturday uh, as originally scheduled. It is now being pushed back to Monday night. Uh, so there will be two Monday night football games. Uh, if if it goes on Monday night. So, again, Raiders and the Browns scheduled for Saturday. That has been moved um, to Monday. Chris Fowler in Kirk Herbstreet just got a call that they're going to be doing that on Monday night probably. That's what they did last year. Bob, we, we also want to talk about the women's basketball 7-2 and two right now on a four-game winning streak. They have uh, and, and going back, their last loss was against Arkansas Pine Bluff, and that was they just they – just, Drop one that day. That was they didn't show up, so it should probably be a five-game winning streak. But they beat Valley, beat Georgia State, 
reverse the curse, gentlemen, beat South Alabama and then uh, defeated Blue Mountain the other night. So they're they're headed down to Boca Raton Sunday at one thirty. They'll take on Alabama A and M, and then Monday at uh, at eleven a.m. they will take on Richmond. All that at the FAU pre Christmas tournament. Lady Eagles. Averaging right at sixty-eight points a game, giving up sixty points a game. You guys, and, and this is this is related, but let me turn the calendar a little bit. If if this talk of a potential Southern Miss move to this to the Sun Belt happens sooner rather than later, wouldn't you think that some news from an administrative standpoint would probably have to happen by February or March? I mean, I've never run an athletic department, but I mean, if you're going to start into a you know playing football in a new league come August I mean some T's have got to be starting to be crossed and I's starting to be dotted when do you think Luke yeah I mean it, it's gonna happen if or if it does happen it will happen that quick and that's because they have to there's probably a deadline adios conference USA uh I feel like the Sun Belt will do whatever it takes. But there was actually the other day, it was a letter floating around on social media where, where Arlington is already starting to make their departure probably early. And uh, Little Rock, you know, there was some talk, too, that they were going to go ahead and, and do all that. I, I think that the benefit, again, for Southern Miss is they will only miss one um, season of bowl revenue if they go ahead and move to the Sun Belt. That that's the benefit. Of course, you're not paying that. You're you're just not getting paid by the conference. And so, if you became a full fledged member of of the Sun Belt by July first, twenty twenty two, then you would share in the bowl revenue that the Sun Belt gets. You know that that coming winter. So that that's the benefit. And I, I think ever since James Madison just came out and said this is what we want to do, I think it empowered the other three schools. And I want to ask you too, Luke. I was at the Eagle Club Christmas party last night. By the way, fabulous spread. I mean, food for days. And you know how that's like nirvana to me, to see to see a big buffet table spread out like that. But the one question football fans were always, you know, were asking me, and I told them I'd pass it on to you because you, you've got a, really got your thumb on the football program, is if, all right, so if the Eagle coaches didn't get Miles Brennan, okay, what, what's plan B? Is there a plan B? What's running through your mind now if Will Hall wants to get an experienced quarterback? Oh. I mean, there's there's lots of dudes out there, and, and I mean anybody can go and just and just Google the quarterback battles that took place. And there's you know some SEC guys with some young guys, some experienced guys. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of still names of, of guys that would fit a Miles Brennan profile, and whether they'd be better or, or not as good, people can make that decision for themselves. Well, you guys stay tuned because when we come back, you didn't even know that Will Hall had a long lost brother. We'll talk to air quotes. Phil Hall, when the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. This final segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by D1 and DBAT Training on Hardy Street or Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, whichever name you want to give to it. Of course, the holidays right around the corner won't be long before the kids are already complaining about how bored they are. 
<laughs> plenty of sports camps available at D1 and DBAT. And, of course, once that calendar turns to January 1st, the kids will start thinking about softball and baseball. D1 and DBAT, contact them as to how your kids can get involved in the best training facility in Hattiesburg. For the first time ever on this program, our, our crack research staff tracked down the long-lost brother of Will Hall. A lot of people don't know that Will has a long-lost... This is Phil Hall on the program with us today. And Phil may be checking back with us, you know, periodically as his brother's coach here at Southern Miss. But first of all, Phil... We thank you for uh, coming on the program, and, and let, me just, let me just ask you how, you how you felt your brother did on signing day this past, this past Wednesday. Well, guys, you know, I appreciate you having me on the show. I've uh, been a long-time listener, uh, so I'm truly blessed to be here on the show today. Uh, as far as signing day went for my brother, I thought he did an excellent job. You know, me and him and, and my daddy, uh, we, had, we had sat down and talked about the guys that they really wanted to go after it. And, and my brother, Will, kept saying he wanted guys that can fight the battle. I didn't know what that meant, but, you know, I was going to give my brother his full support. Me and my daddy gave it to him. And, you know, when I looked at that signing class, I looked at all those guys and said, yep, they can fight the battle. All right. Now, now I got to ask you, Phil, because a lot of people don't know that you coached football coaches your brother coaches football players. You coach football coaches and have developed some of the greatest coaches in the game. In fact, you taught Bill Belichick and, and who else? Uh, some of the great Yeah, a long list of guys. Bill Belichick, uh, Bill Walsh. Uh, at the time, he was Nicholas Saban, but now he, you probably know him by Nick Saban. Uh, Pete Carroll. Uh, another guy we have that, uh, that you guys at Southern Miss are familiar with, uh, we had a guy named Ellis Johnson sign up for one of my classes, but he, uh, he he didn't like to come to class, and he was he was content with us giving him a zero. So I gave him a zero, and you know, looking back, I think that's kind of ironic, uh, and, and I think that's probably all I'll say about that. Well, that's probably good, Phil, because you'd have had to pay him a lot of money to leave once he got there. So uh, congratulations. Now, look, I got to ask you about your brother's attire. He comes out; it's ninety-five degrees. He's got on a long sleeve shirt and a tie. He evolved to this sleeveless sweater look and the shirt and the tie. What's up with the wardrobe? Yeah, you know, we've always been brought up on tradition and, and kind of going after what our our, uh, our daddy wore. And, and so, uh, you know, my brother really was, was enamored with the sweater vest look. You know, not not quite to the level that Mike Ditka wore it, but I think this year after uh, talking to, to my brother, I think he's going to try and go for, for a Mike Ditka look this year. Uh, that that kind of you know I, I may have revealed it there a little bit, but he's he's got a couple uh, a few designs up his sleeve this year, and you know he's just excited. Uh, you know his wife, she thinks he looks really cute in it, and I think that's the most important thing. Uh, but he's just really excited for his uh, his his best designs for this upcoming season. Boy, Bob, the entire Hall family is excited. Yeah, they're pretty excited bunch. All right, look, we got a couple of minutes uh, with Phil. We may try to bring him back, uh, but go ahead, fire away at him. Retired uh, retired coach to coaches. Uh, Phil Hall, the long lost son of Bobby Hall, the long lost brother of of Will Hall, and uh, and and Phil, like, so what did you make of the superback situation this year? Uh, they tried so many quarterbacks, couldn't really you know uh, pull anything off. So then they go to the superback and they almost beat UTSA and then finish the season uh, with two wins. Yeah, you know that was something that, uh, like I said, me and my brother and, and my daddy, we sat down and, and we kind of tried to. 
to figure some things out here. So what we did was we watched uh, about 147 hours of Miami Dolphins uh, film when they did the Wildcat formation. 147 hours. Wow. So we, you know, tried to adapt that system and, and it works pretty well. And we're, you know, we're excited about the future. We got the blueprint of the program laid out. Uh, depth charts are going to be uh, the way of the Buffalo. We're not having depth charts anymore. It's just going to be super back, and we're going to have 22 guys listed under super back. Wow. But you, you're you an excited bunch, aren't you, Phil? I, I can see the excitement's we're pretty contagious in the family. Huh? Did, you, did, you teach, uh, did you teach your brother how to build things the right way? You know, it's all about the blueprint and the foundation and winning the war. You know, people ask me what that means. I don't really know, but it sounds good. So we're it's all about the blueprint, the foundation, and winning the war. And, Phil, you're excited, and, and the good Lord loves the Eagles, right? We're excited and blessed. We're, we're a blessed bunch over here. The arrow's trending up, and, and uh, God, I just can't say how excited we are. Uh, are we going to win the war, Phil? Sounds like we're going to win the war. We're, we're winning the war. If we can win the war, we can win the football game. Do, do you think your brother should schedule Dion uh, with with all that's going on this week? If it's a war to be won, I'm all for him scheduling Dion and the Jackson State Tigers. Absolutely. Well, well, Phil, I don't think we can thank you enough for, for this pretty surprising appearance on the Eagle Hour. Would you be open to coming back in the future, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. You know, always breaking down film. So as long as it's not in a film session with me, my daddy, and my brother, I'm all for it. Hey, uh, season's greetings to your daddy, Phil. We don't want to leave him out, of course. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas, guys, and Southern Miss to the top. All right, everybody. Phil Hall. You may not have known it, but he's the long lost brother of our head football coach. And, I think he's uh, going to stay lost. Yeah, I would. I, I would say he was lost forever. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good way to end the week. I agree. While we're still allowed to come on the air. Right. Uh, I think we'll be back Monday. Until then, Southern Miss. <laughs> to, to the, the top. top. <laughs> or, or blast. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.